You're listening to Episode 2 of Teacher Approved. You're listening to Teacher Approved, the podcast helping educators elevate what matters and simplify the rest. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. We're the creators behind Second Story Window, where we give research-based and teacher-approved strategies that make teaching less stressful and more effective. You can check out the show notes and resources from each episode at secondstorywindow.net. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. Hey there. Thanks for being here. To celebrate the launch of Teacher Approved, we're doing a giveaway. Three lucky winners will receive a $100 gift card to Teachers Pay Teachers. To enter, take a screenshot of your favorite launch episode, episode one, two, or three. Add it to your Instagram stories and tag us at Second Story Window. That's with a two. Bonus entry, follow this show and write a review. Before submitting, screenshot your review and send it to us in a DM so that we know who wrote the review. Giveaway ends April 4th, 2022. In today's episode, we'll be discussing our approach to classroom read-alouds and sharing a teacher-approved tip for giving directions. We're going to be starting our episodes with a question of the day, just like we used to do in morning meeting at our classrooms. In the classroom, we called them morning messages, so that's what we'll be calling them here. <laughs> this week's morning message is, what read-alouds do you remember from when you were a student? Emily? Oh, I'm sure that I had read-alouds in all of my grades, but it's second grade that really sticks out the most to me with Mrs. Smith. I remember she had a wooden rocking chair that she would sit in and we would sit on the floor and she read a lot of the big classics. So we read the K and in second grade and I remember it and we're the Redfern girls. And I remember that day just being like, we were all so bummed out the rest of that day. (laughs) It was a hard one. I remember my fourth grade teacher read that and that one sticks with you. (laughs) Yeah. What other, what, what other books do you remember? Oh, well, Charlotte's Web in third grade. That was probably the first one I cried in. Yes. And that teacher must have really liked E.B. White because she also read The Trumpet of the Swan. And my second grade teacher read A Little Princess to us. And I think that's really what started my love of reading. So today's question leads right into our topic today. We're going to be discussing classroom read-alouds. Read-aloud time was always my favorite time of the day as a teacher. It's just such a meaningful way to connect with your students at the end of a long, hard day, some days, to just be there together and experience quality literature together. It's just so meaningful. Heidi, tell us about how you did read-alouds when you first started teaching. I think I did what most teachers did, and I just started with books that I loved because I was so excited. Of course. So I remember, you know, gathering my kids around. I had a little bench sitting and pulled out Little House in the Big Woods. And they were bored out of their heads, bless them. Because I don't know if you've gone back to those books as an adult, but they're not real gripping. A lot of detail, but not a lot of story. Yeah, that would be an accurate description for the Little House books, I think. (laughs) So, yeah, kind of struggles for a bit there. I definitely did the same thing. I remember early on, someone had recommended to my students The Secret Garden. And so they were really excited about it. I'm like, well, I'm going to jump on this and we're going to read The Secret Garden. And I had not read it since I was a kid. And that is a dense language (laughs) book. And so we were just stumbling through it for several days with them where I felt like I had to afterwards recap it for them (laughs) because it just seemed like they had no idea what I was saying. And it it was probably a week before I was like, okay, guys. (laughs) We got to abandon this book. And I remember at the time feeling like it was a big failure. Like I was embarrassed that we'd started this book that was too hard for us. But it probably was good to model for the kids that 
when a book is not your just right book, it's probably time to move on to a different one. Yeah, you're not obligated to stick with something that isn't working. Right. So when did you start doing things differently in your classroom? I remember like finishing, I think it was The Witches, which is, you know, a fun little Halloween read. And then I didn't have another book. And so I just grabbed one out of my classroom library, uh, Magic Tree House, just because it was right there. And suddenly it just, reading that book changed our whole classroom community around reading. They were suddenly so engaged. The classroom discourse was about, you know, Jack and Annie and their adventures. And they were playing it at recess. And we were having this whole community experience around this book because it was a book that they were interested in more than a book that I was just interested in. Right. And it gave you sort of a shared language for your whole class. What I hadn't anticipated was it was such a help to my low readers because my high kids were already reading Jack and Annie on their own. But my low kids weren't able to access that material. And so they were kind of excluded from what was going on. But because I was reading it to them, they could participate in the conversations and be part of this whole community around books. And if you think about like 19th and 20th centuries, that was the hallmark of an education was if you could participate in the conversation around books. And Mm -hmm. so it was just such a way to build community, to have this shared literary experience. It's so important to give those struggling readers access to what all the other kids are talking about and also help them connect to books that maybe they felt like they couldn't connect to before because they weren't ones they could read independently. Yeah, and it changed how the books in my classroom got used because suddenly those were the books that were getting pulled off the shelves. And so I pivoted a little bit once I kind of figured this out. And I started the year by reading books like Henry and Mudge and Frog and Toad and Amelia Bedelia, all those kind of like early readers that are so good for second graders, but they tend to see as maybe babyish because they still have so many pictures or they're not set up like a chapter book. And so by giving them the cachet of like, oh, teachers reading it to us, this is an important book. They're the books that they then are choosing for themselves where they might have ignored it in the past. Right. And there are so many more early chapter book series available to use now than there were back when, even when we started teaching in the mid-2000s, well, early 2000s for some of us. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was Frog and Toad. It mm-hmm. was 80s Mysteries, which are still good quality books. But now there's so many more options to pick from. So you're really not limited at all by picking from those series. But those aren't the only books you can read, of course. Absolutely not. We want, you know, we want to grow our readers into hearing more complex language and syntax and story. You know, Beverly Clary and I always loved Read Mouse and Motorcycle or The Boxcar Children. Those are so magical to read to second graders. And beyond that, like, kids should get to hear Charlotte's Web and Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and all of those classic books. And I knew because where I taught, I knew that the upper grade teachers were going to read those to them. But I really wanted to make this second grade space of like just recognizing who you are as a reader, the stepping into your identity as a reader. I really wanted to honor that with books that spoke to them where they were in their journey. There are so many different genres that are available in those early chapter books. There's, you know, realistic fiction, obviously, but then, you know, science fiction and historical fiction and fantasy and all to read a different genre requires a different set of skills. And so introducing them in this kind of low stakes way with these early chapter books sets them up for success to be independent readers in all these different genres. And it can help them learn what genres they like. 
Because if they haven't been exposed yeah. to a lot of them, they might think they don't like reading, but it's because they haven't discovered mysteries yet or something yes. like that. Surprisingly, one of the favorites in my classroom was The Fairy's Mistake by Gail Carson Levine. Mm-hmm. She wrote Enchanted, if you know that one. But she has a, like three or four early kind of chapter books. And The Fairy's Mistake, when I pull it out and the boys are like, ugh. But the boys love that way more than the girls. Like, <laughs> And I loved that, but like being able to spin that on them to see like, you know, there are things here that you might not think you love, but might be just exactly the sort of thing you want. Right. And that there's no such thing as girl books and yes. boy books. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and you have a testimonial, really, from a student to show that this approach really worked. Yes. I started reading The Spiderwick Chronicles, which, if you haven't read them, that does have... I wouldn't say it has bad language, but, like, the kids sometimes call each other names. So... You may need to edit that as you're yes. reading or... <laughs> And it does get a little intense, but I had bought it because the illustrations were so pretty. And I'm sure I just picked it off a shelf one day because we didn't have a book. Oh, I know I got mine from the book fair at my school in my first, the first But time. I started reading it to the kids and they were enthralled. And I had one little guy especially was just like eating it up. And we'd finished, I think I had like the first two because they were still coming out because I was teaching back in the dark ages. And I didn't have the third. And so, like, driving across town after school to get the third because he was so excited. And years later, as he was, you know, a big teenage boy, he came back to visit me. And he was asking about, like, Spiderwick and was saying that those were the books that showed him that he loved reading. And that that meant a lot. I love it. So hopefully this discussion gives you something to think about about how you approach read-alouds in your classroom. There's no one-size-fits-all, but... Maybe this will give you some fresh ideas to try with your class. Now let's talk about this week's teacher-approved tip. Each week, we're going to leave you with a teacher-approved tip, something small and manageable that you can apply in your classroom today. This week's teacher-approved tip is give students a word to listen for before you give directions. So Heidi, tell us more about this. So this is a takeaway I got back when I was having to learn how to teach PE. Do you remember? Those, oh, that was the worst days. class. <laughs> I hated it. But this tip has come in handy every single lesson I've ever taught the rest of my life. So, you know, when you start to give directions, okay, I need you, you know, get out a paper, get a pencil, number one to ten for your spelling test. Well, you're still giving directions and the kids are halfway through the list and they've missed half of what you're saying. But if you set it up with, okay, when I say go, I want you to get out a paper and pencil, number one through ten for the spelling test. Go. So you're setting it up that they have that cue to listen to. So they're, they know to listen for all of the directions before they start doing any of the directions. It makes things run so much more smoothly. And sometimes, you know, you can mix it up. I, you know, when I say jingle bells or flooby flubber or whatever, you know, (laughs) cause they, cause they're kids and they get a kick out of their teacher saying flooby flubber. Or something seasonal. When I say jingle Yes. And then you wait at the end, you know, you finish, you know, get out your books. Okay. And then you make them wait. So they listen. So you're training them to like, oh, I have to listen for the word. And then I always loved to mess with them a little bit. Not every day, but be like, okay, ghost. (laughs) Okay. Go for, you know, and then they think you're hilarious and you feel like a million bucks because they're all, you know, you're having this funny little moment together. And then, of course, you say go, and then everything works fine, and they're all perfect little angels. (laughs) And enjoy that for the brief few minutes, it will be true. (laughs) But absolutely, this will change how you give directions. If it's not something you're already doing, it will be a game changer. To wrap up the show, we're going to share what we're giving extra credit to this week, something in our lives that's making us happy. Heidi, what are you giving extra credit to this week? 
I am giving extra credit to the Velvetizer. Which <laughs> it's such a ridiculous name. And it's kind of a ridiculous product, but it makes me so happy. I love hot chocolate. And I know we're like technically moving into spring, but it's still definitely hot chocolate weather. And so the Velvetizer is from a company called Hotel Chocolat. And they <laughs> Hotel make- <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> they make these little machine that makes these tiny little cups of incredible hot chocolate. It's so good. Perfect temperature. Yes. And perfectly mixed. Oh. And it's real chocolate that melts yeah, in the machine. It's so decadent and so delightful. It just makes me happy every time I use it. What about you, Emily? What's your extra credit? So I'm giving extra credit to the book, What the Wind Knows by Amy Harmon. Oh, I don't know this one. It's so good. It's a blend of romantic and historical fiction. And it's about a girl in modern day named Anne Gallagher. And she travels to Ireland after her grandfather's death and is pulled back in time to 1921. And I don't want to give any more of that story away, but I highly recommend it. Accidental time travel is actually my biggest irrational fear, so I don't know if I can handle this. (laughs) That's it for today's episode. This week, we're inviting you to reconsider your classroom read-aloud book choices. And our teacher-approved tip is to give your students a word to listen to before you give directions. We'd love to hear what read-alouds you remember as a child over on our Instagram at Second Story Window. That's with a two. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, please share with a teacher friend. See you next week. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast apps so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group. We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.